Hi, this is Ray Duckler, the Monitor columnist. Today we're going to talk about the response to a story I'm doing about nostalgia in the Concord area. There was a, uh, a feed on Facebook that asked people for their memories, so I tapped into that, sent out a request for people to send their memory to me, their memories, what they remember doing, what they loved, what, where they went, and I'm still getting emails. I can't, I can't keep up with all of them. There's 600 or more. I even got one this morning. Uh, it's several days since I sent out the message, and Joan Batchelder Young sent me one at uh, sometime this morning, and Mike Pulser sent me one at 5.31 a.m. So I don't know what he was doing up there, sending that to me, but people responded, they were passionate. So it was like, wow, childhood memories and nostalgia must mean something. My guests today are Mary Nee, a longtime Concord resident, uh, certainly um, uh, made her mark in the uh, medical community as a nurse. She's been back and forth, but has settled back in Bow now since 2000. And we also have Jeff Smith, one of the uh, real uh, stars of baseball in the area, knowledgeable, played, played the game, knows all the, uh, all the athletes, Joe LaFay, Bob Tewksbury, very, very uh, connected to the baseball scene in Concord, which is, which is vast. So let's start with Mary. Hello, Mary. Hey. Hey. How you doing? Good. I want to know about uh, the story about a painting you told me about where your mother saw a painting and she loved it and your dad wanted to surprise her, so he bought it. Take me through that and then where it ended up. Okay. okay. I'll try to be concise because okay. it's a long story. So my, my mom was a realtor. They had his realty on um, Stores Street. And uh, on her lunch break, she went up to Rowland's studio because she was an artist. She was trying to pick up some brushes and that. She saw this beautiful painting in the window. It was uh, it's like three feet by four feet, white background, cat looking the other way and outside the window with the cat. plants. Cat, cat looking out the window. Big, big, big picture. Big she cat. fell in love with it. You know, the, the picture cost like $200. Back in the 70s, it was kind of a lot of money. She came back to the, um, to the real estate office and told my dad how much she loved the painting. And my dad didn't say much about it, but he, when he could, he snuck out, went back to Rollins and bought the picture and they held it for him. My dad got back to the office and then he got a call from <laughs> Rowlands, uh, from Carl Nardigger, who, who was the owner there, right. saying that somebody had called and wanted to buy the painting. And he was very disappointed because it had been sold. And um, he's, he said, I wonder if he'd let me borrow it because he had a grand opening that was coming up and he wanted to put it in his lobby. You didn't know the name, you no. didn't know the name of the restaurant. No, some my mother didn't Some know business either. venture. Yeah, okay, exactly. good. exactly. Yep. Yeah, so, um, so sure enough, the, the guy called my dad. He was a big hot guy. He said, sure, you can borrow it. Uh, I just need it back for Christmas. That was going to be my mother's Christmas present. So uh, about maybe a few weeks later, maybe a month later, my mom heard about the new restaurant that was opening on Manchester Street and wanted to check it out. Walks into the lobby of the Cat and the Fiddle. There was the picture hanging right there in the lobby, big as ever. Get out. I, seriously. Now, your, your father didn't know that this was coming oh, up. Oh, yeah. He did. Oh yeah. He knew it was in oh, there. Oh yeah. Okay. He so knew he, it absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But he didn't. He didn't let him out at all. My mother's heart dropped when she saw it. She said, "Oh, it's my painting." You know, she absolutely loved it. But so um, about a couple of weeks before Christmas, Dad went back to the Cat and Fiddle and retrieved it and brought it to my house because it was their custom to come and open presents on Christmas at our place. Watch the kids open presents. Um, and so uh, at the end of opening presents, we got oh wait a minute, there's one more. I went down the basement, brought up the painting. 
and um, it made my, my obviously it made my mother's she just couldn't believe it you know the uh, that she actually had that painting. Well, she thought that it was oh. had been sold, oh, and sold she was lost, lost hope. There was Absolutely. no hope. There Absolutely. goes my cat. There goes my cat. Absolutely. So, uh, but there's a little bit of a caveat to that story. Yes, is, let's hear that. So, years later, maybe 30 years later, I touched touch base with um, a high school friend, Dale Gage. I think you know Gail, right? Yeah. Sure do. We have a cross-country team together? We do. Yeah. So, um, Dale and I talk every day now. You know, we text back and forth, but... Um, we got to talking, and he mentioned that his sister Karen and Colin and I did go own the Rollins studio. So I said, oh, let me tell you about my cat's cat painting story. And um, he said, well, I remember that painting. He said it was a painting of the cat that was always at Rollins. We all knew that cat. And he said, my sister Karen painted it, and that confused me because the painting had huge letters at the bottom, L-E-E, Lee. No K, no K for Karen. No Karen. Okay. And I said, yeah, but it was. I think it was painted by a woman named Lee. He goes, that's Karen's middle name. Oh. So that's so unbelievable. Just, a, just a, yeah, the synchronicities of that painting is. Um, the thread there is amazing. Yeah, it was. It's a wonderful story. It really is. Mary, you went to um, you went to uh, Sacred Heart mm-hmm. early on before Runlet and Concord High. Uh, tell us about the experience there with the uh, nuns. Oh, we told that before. Yeah, I was Give us the inside story on the nuns. <laughs> you really, it's, it's, it's a tragic one, actually. Um, the nuns were a little brutal, but um, it was just kind of a scary, scary time, one through eight, because it was a French parochial school. So not only did we have to leave, learn English, at one year, you know, at the first grade, we were learning French, French catechism. And, um, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, French catechism, we had to recite it, you know, word for word. And if you missed a word like, you know, un or le, you know, you got tapped on the on the wrist with the, with the ruler. Mm, um, the, the, but I was there from, like, you know, grades one to eight. One you know. to eight, right. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that tragic, but, you know, it was, uh, um, we had to really toe the line. You know, they were very, very, very strict. Like, when we came back from recess, it was uh, prayer time. And in the summertime, you know, when it was really hot, we'd have to kneel down you know, in front of our pews and not move and say, you know, the whole rosary, you know, like when you're six years old, that's, you're not being able to talk. And, and when we sat in our chairs, we had to keep our legs together. Really? Yeah. Did the, did Tell the, a six-year-old to sit there for all day and keep their legs together. Did the boys have to do that too? I, I don't remember. I just remember, I don't know, maybe because the girls wore skirts. I'm okay, really well sure. that's going off onto a yeah. little bit of a uh, tough uh, <laughs> issue there. But let's talk about, uh, you did tell me about the difference in the treatment between well, the girls and the boys. Right. Well, we had, we had nice nuns and then we had the um, Attila nuns, I guess. Oh, Attila yeah. nuns, yes. My brother called them ninja nuns. Ninja nuns. Ninja nuns. They had the clappers, and the boys got the clappers across the wrist. Um, They would get their ears boxed like crazy. They would, at times, even get their heads bounced against the blackboard just for being naughty. The girls mainly got rulers across the back of the legs. Mm. And I took piano lessons, and you know, she, the nun, stood over me with a ruler. You know, so we had a couple (coughs) nice ones. I mean, okay, so Sister Noel. It was nice. Sister Mary Jesus. Nice. Mary Jesus. Mary, Mary Jesus Joseph, I think that was her she name. She had to be nice. Come on. Okay. All right. Sister Fatsina. What's her name? Fatsina. Oh, boy, that's not good. Sister Stanislas. Are you kidding me? Scary. These names that sound evil are were right. evil? That's Sister, so funny. Sister Noel, beautiful. I loved her. Nice name. Yeah. Christmas, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, so that was uh, my experience at Sacred Heart. Yeah. And what years were those? Can you tell us? Um, 1953 to maybe 1960, 
Okay. Yeah, about that time. Okay. Now, I wanted to mention here, uh, Jeff Smith, our baseball ex uh, expert and our uh, kid who would ride around Concord without adult supervision and just have fun with the gang, he happens to be Mary's cousin. His grandfather had a sibling who is Mary's grandmother. Total coincidence, I picked these people randomly in terms of, I, I, I set up a list of people who were interesting, uh, completely random, and there you go. Small world, they are related. So, I'm gonna go to uh, Jeff now. A little bio about Jeff, he grew up in the North End, he was a, he's a retired state employee. He spent his youth at White's, okay, here's a, what I wanna ask you. He wrote down he spent his youth at White's Park. And then you say that's with apostrophe S or I lose my park cred. Is it White or Whites? Well, for all of us who ever spent much time at White's Park, it's Whites. Right. I don't know that any kid that ever ever spent a lot of time there prior to 19, probably 90, ever thought of that as anything else but White's Park. And, and the, the theory is if, if Mr. and Mrs. White owned a car, which they did not, it would be White's car. If they owned a cow, it would be it would be White's cow. They happen to own a park, it should be White's park. But with the politically correct world we have now, a lot of people want to call it White Park, and that's fine, just as long as they all they all know that those of us who spent our, our youth and a lot of time after that there, that we're going to keep calling it White's park because that's that was our home. So, for the rest of your life, it's White's park. It's White's park. It okay. won't be anything else. It's White's Park to Jeff Smith. He coached uh, 13 years of Little League Baseball, 15 years of youth basketball. Back in his day, he played three sports at Concord High, uh, Little League, Babe Ruth, Legion Baseball, all that stuff. So let's see, Jeff, just generally speaking, you were growing up in the 60s. <coughs> I, was a, I, was, uh, I was growing up at White's Park from the mid-50s uh, through probably the, er the mid-60s. Okay. About, about a 10-year period. Stories. What comes to mind? Well, what comes to mind is that, is that uh, we would all gather, gather at the park, and when I say all, it was a number of kids. It wasn't just two or three. We'd usually have enough kids to have a probably seven-on-a-side baseball game at any point in time. We actually had four different baseball fields scuffed out in the outfield of the Big League Diamond. Uh, one was in the corner by the uh, by the flagpole. Another was in the corner by the corner of uh, Beacon Street and and uh, and White Street, where the stairs are. There was another scuffed out field uh, or diamond uh, in Dead Center Field, and there was another field down by the end of Beacon Street by the Lugs House, uh, who happens to be Sandy Smith's grandparents. Sandy Smith, Sandy former, Smith former Concord exactly. Monitor sports editor. Exactly. Uh, uh, we had we had a field scuffed out there, and we would we pick up teams. Uh, we used to have rules that if you hit a if there were, weren't enough kids playing, if you had a, if you hit a if you hit a ball to the opposite field, you were out. You could only hit the ball from center field to, to left field or center field to, to the, right. And field. the kid who uh, the kid who came up with the ball to right field was always called. The right fielder. Oh, <laughs> lefty. 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 Of That's course. when I'm growing up, the of guy course. who hit the ball to right field, he Left, was a left-handed, sure, sure. was lefty. Go ahead. Well, the interesting thing is when we were kids, there was there was this man who would come to the park every day, and he would be the pitcher for both sides. 
Oh. And he was pro- we were probably uh, somewhere between 8 and 15 years old. And he would come up every day, and he would pitch for both sides. He was probably in his early 40s. And I can't imagine parents allowing their kids to go to the park today with a man who wasn't employed during the day throwing baseballs to us all day long. Well, as it turns out, he's one of the all-time great athletes in Concord. His name is Fonzie Sorello. And everybody knew him. All of our parents knew who he was. He was a trusted person in the park. And Fonzie would uh, adjudicate uh, disagreements. He'd break up fights. And he would pitch to us all day long, every day. Fonzie Sorello? Fonzie Sorello, one of the all-time great athletes. He was a good athlete. Excellent. Besides athlete. having a Excellent. really great name. Exactly. I mean, batting third, Fonzie Sorello. Fonzie you Sorrell. can't beat it. Hockey player, baseball player. I have my list here of the top ten. It's going to be a column uh, next week. So hopefully you will be reading it. So I'm just going to go over. There was skating at White uh, White's Park. Thank Sorry. You. Thank you. Uh, there was flag football Sunday mornings at White's Park. Did you participate in those things? Uh, there was there was there was probably touch football at that point. I think the flag the flag football program was started in Rollins Park uh, by the park instructors down there, back when Jimmy Bacon was a young kid. From Jimmy Bacon. Bacon. He was he was one of the sons of uh, Bacon Rug down on down oh, the South Main. Oh, sure. Street. I've been there. I did a story on the woman there yeah. after Obama was yeah. elected. Uh, I, I, w- I recall flag football starting starting at Rollins Park probably in the early '60s. Uh, later on, there was a, a much more advanced flag football game uh, that that people like Kenny Craig used to play in, and it was quite active and uh, a little a little more ferocious than the than the Park League uh, flag football. Kenny Craig was a great athlete. Kenny was a great athlete. Um, I have a list here. Some of the things you might be interested in were uh, Granite State Candy was beloved, Joe King's store, A&W on Manchester Street. What's a Mayor, let's go to you. What's A&W, what's A&W on Manchester Street? That was the hangout. What was, what was it? It was a... Like a curbside, where they delivered you curbside. Mm-hmm. You had the trays, and they delivered curbside to you, the girls. Oh, you mean like happy hand- days? Well, or like a hand- uh, giant, yeah. And you'd put the, would you click the tray on the window yeah. or what have you? Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a hangout. You drive through to A&W, go up down Main Street, come back to A&W. Yeah, that was what we did back in the, what, 50s, 60s? That was, that was a good spot. That was a good spot. The interesting thing is I had a speech impediment growing up. I, I stuttered a lot, and I couldn't say W. So... In the north end, at least at White's Park, it was A and D. Oh, that's funny. Because I couldn't say <laughs> W. I couldn't say W. So that's uh, My mother a was a chocolate dipper at uh, Granite Your State. mother was a chocolate dipper? She was a dipper. chocolate dipper. She was down in the basement, and all they did all day was uh, dip the chocolates. And um, every design on the top of the chocolate, they can tell you what's inside that chocolate. Next time you eat a chocolate, <laughs> if you see two stripes <coughs> and one across, it means something. See, uh, you know, a swirls. Probably a raspberry inside, yeah. So we, she, she was good at it. She was good at it, okay. yeah. Well, that's, yep. you know, there's... there's uh, a lot of girls, a lot of ladies did that apparently in the 40s. Nobility in every job. Mm-hmm. Another one I wanted to talk about uh, that I found I, I find interesting and I'm, I'm disappointed it's not around is the drive-in. The drive-in theater. Uh, let's talk to Jeff on that and then go to Mary. The drive-in theater, did you go there a lot and hide in the, in the trunk? Not a lot and not in the trunk. We did go there on occasion. There are a lot of stories that are probably left untold from Concord Drive-In. 
Uh, but it was it was a it was a pretty nice place. It's um, it's sad that the drive-ins have sad. have disappeared. Um, but we we would go from time to time. Mary, did well, you go to the drive-in? The trunk, oh, absolutely. Okay. And I'm going to rattle my sister Paula. I never hid in the trunk, but apparently she did. Paula hid in the sister, trunk? My older sister Paula hid in okay, the trunk. Okay, so let's document that. Paula, her last name? Uh, Palatia now. It used to be me, yeah. She was in the trunk. So <laughs> oh she owes, she owes the drive-in some money. Go ahead. Yeah. But the trick was, uh, you probably remember, not all the speakers work. So the trick Correct. was to, you know, you had to pull up, and then you had to line your car up, put the speaker on, then you turn it on, and then it was all crackles. You know, so then you had to put it back and then drive to another one and uh, just try to find a speaker that mm. really well. They weren't great, but it was a fun time. Yeah, it was a fun time. Okay, uh, let's see. So we have uh, my list here is there's a peanut festival marking the end of the summer, J.J. Newberry's, Bear Wright. Uh, the Highway Hotel did very mm. well in my uh, project of nostalgia. What do you remember about the Highway Hotel, Jeff? I've heard many stories that were uh, very innocent about proms, and I heard some racy stories about women of the evening and a lot of drinking. Right. Can you get a? Can you give us some insight? And not on all of that, no. But uh, no, you don't. You don't have anything about the hookers. No. Okay. Okay. Not, not that I'm willing to share. Woo. Okay. Uh, the Highway Hotel was the largest uh, building, or Location where you could have uh, weddings, weddings or proms or dancers or parties or a- anything like that. Uh, it all it had uh, a couple of different restaurants. It had a uh, a pool out back, uh, and they they would sell they would sell off cabanas. And if you were you were wealthy enough to afford a cabana, you could you could have a a pool to to go to all summer long. Hmm. Um, a lot of the graduate, a lot of the uh, uh, senior proms right. were held there, and it it was the uh, it was a it was it was a spot where you really couldn't miss because it was just off I ninety three, just after right where uh, Hannaford Re- Hannaford Grocery Store is now, and it was uh, it was a stopping spot for people who were heading north if they didn't want to go all the way up they, they could stay there. It was a it was a pretty nice place. You have any recollection? Well, yeah, I remember the the pool area was absolutely so much fun. We were in high school at the time, and my one of my best friends in school, Sue Katria, uh, it's now Branch Sue Branch. Um, her sister had one of those tents. They were blue and white striped. I remember mm. directly. But what was so wonderful was there was the Jamaican steel drums mm. every Sunday. You could just sit around the pool and have that wonderful tropical music. It was wonderful. Really? Yeah. yeah. And my, my cousin, um, just great. a little caveat, but my cousin, uh, Charlie Nee, met with the Kennedys at the Highway Hotel. Get out. He became, well, he was a journalist for the scene Sentinel, and they were looking for a speechwriter. And so someone recommended him. So he met all the Kennedys upstairs in one of the, the boardrooms mm-hmm. or whatever, met every one of them, shook their hands. By the time he got to Ted around the corner, he, he was the only one he couldn't shake the hands. He goes, I couldn't do it. He goes, I looked him in the eye, and all I could do was tap on the in front of him and go, good to meet you. Mm-hmm. Is that because of, are you talking about Chappaquiddick? Chappaquiddick hadn't happened that yet. That hadn't even happened Oh, I yet. thought maybe he had yeah. something against him because he thought yeah. he was, you know, no, should have been charged with manslaughter. He met, Jack, he met Jackie, he met Rose, he met uh, Joe, and he met uh, Bobby and Ethel. Um, Ted's wife was in rehab, I think, at the time. Ted's think. wife was in rehab? Probably, yeah. But Ethel? No, no was, who was uh, that? I can't think, even think of her name, can you? The tall blonde. The tall blonde. The tall blonde, blonde was in pretty, rehab. Pretty blonde. Uh, yeah. Joan. Joan, Joan. there good. you go, Joan, thank yeah. you. Yeah, but that, it was, that's great. Yeah. 
So the last thing here is I just wanted to say uh, thank you to my guests. We want to wrap a couple things up here. It's White's Park (laughs) in the mind of Jeff Smith and in the mind of Mary Nee. Mary Nee's uh, sister, Paula, hid in the trunk, going to the drive-in theater. And my top 10 list of nostalgia will be next week, I believe Tuesday, and you'll have to read it to find out number one. It's uh, it it won by a mile, so uh, hopefully you'll you'll look for that. It's Ray Duckler, news columnist, signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye.